everyone. My name is Jim Hankey, and I'm the host of Vinyl Emergency, a podcast where musicians, producers, comedians, and those who dream up, press, release, or collect vinyl records discuss their relationship with the medium today as well as in their formative youth. Artwork that has stood the test of time, neighborhood record stores we remember, the first albums we ever bought, vinyl's warmth and sound, the tangible object of a vinyl record can bring forth so many intangible memories, and that's what we try to capture on the show. Guests have included Roseanne Cash, Ben Montench of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Brian Stack from Conan and The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Ted Leo, Lily Hyatt, and Dave Porter of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. We've been known to do an episode or two in front of a live audience as well, and we also talk to everyday record collectors about what drives their passion. We even have episodes dedicated to the processes of mastering for vinyl, properly cleaning your records, the feeling of standing in line for hours on record store day, and much more. Tune into Vinyl Emergency however you get your podcasts. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Vinyl Emergency, or stop by our website, VinylEmergency.com. This week on Dig Me Out. It's Jay, this week we're back after a couple of non-album review episodes. We're back with an album review brought to us by one of our patrons, Mr. Darren Zvedson. He's been with us for over a year now, Jay, and it's time for his 12-month review. Nice. And uh, this is one that uh, we got some input from our Patreon folks. They had some comments about it. It's Marcy Playground's album, Shapeshifter. Jay, this album came out in uh, 1999. It came out November of 99, actually. Do you remember when it came out? Because I have no recollection of this record coming out. No, I only know this band from the uh, Sex and Candy single. So I don't, I'm not aware of any records they put out after that. Yeah, me neither. And the song It's Saturday kind of sounded familiar. Like maybe I just kind of heard it in passing on the radio, just the melody, but I could I didn't like know it that it was this band or or what have you. So other than that, I, I wasn't really familiar with anything in the record. And to be quite honest, I'm not really familiar with anything on the first record other than, like you said, Sex and Candy. Let's do just some quick history and then we'll get into Darren's uh notes. The band formed in New York City in 1994 as a three-piece. They're still together. John Wozniak, Dylan Keefe, and Shalomi Lavi. Now, that's not all the, like, there's been other members of the band, but that's the, the current lineup of the band. John Wozniak is basically the, um, as the lead singer, vocalist, and guitarist, he's sort of the driving force as the songwriter in the band. Um, so here's where the band got their name. There is a school that John Wozniak attended called Marcy Open. It's a school in Minneapolis, and um, there's a playground, so it's Marcy's Playground outside the school. And that's where he first got into music. Um, and it was actually, he put out like a solo indie album called From the Marcy Playground. Um, it was like a bedroom recording, and that came out in the early 90s, and then some of the songs from that album would end up on the actual Marcy Playground albums. After uh, 
school in Minneapolis. He went to Evergreen State College and then moved to New York. The band, after playing around and doing some recordings in New York, uh, got the interest of Capitol Records. They got signed. The big single, Sex and Candy, was the one that everybody knows. They also had another single, St. Joe, on the school bus that I guess did okay for a single. Um, Shapeshifter, like I mentioned, came out in 99. Then they put out an album called MP3. That came out in 2004. One of the songs from that album was in the movie Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, Then they released the album Leaving Wonderland in a Fit of Rage in July of 2009. Um, Then they released a remix album in September of 2010. And then Lunch, Recess, and Detention came out in 2012. That's pretty much it for Marcy Playground. So let me get to the notes that Darren sent us mp3 that's an unfortunate album title correct he says why i chose this album uh can't say i was ever a marcy playground fan around their sex and candy era never went past that overplayed horrendous song however every now and then i go through phases where i'm curious to check out follow-up albums to bands viewed as 90s alternative one-hit wonders to see if they double down or lean into the success of the, or uh, or lean into the success of the single for the next album, or if they go down an artistic path. Said he's done with done this with Tripping Daisy, Semisonic, Super Drag, specifically Head Trip and Any Key, which uh, was a fantastic album. And then about two years later, he did the same thing with this album, Shapeshifter. Thinking back in time, I don't recall making making much of a single commercially or artistically, and I don't think I ever. Heard the lead single at all on radio, which was It's Saturday. Was curious to find out, was this album a forgotten classic or at least an underappreciated relic for the late 90s? One thing he liked, after many listens, I believe their strength lies in the slower mid-tempo songs, which also fit well with the lead singer's vocal range. Strongest here to me are by by far tracks two through four, America, Bye Bye, and All the Lights Went Out, and then the album closer, Our Generation. And then what he disliked was the harder, more riff-based songs like Secret Squirrel and Love Bug just weren't convincing and downright boring. At times, it sounded to me like alternative rock paint by numbers. And he said the intro to Pigeon Farm is a dead ringer for two princes. Additionally, I wasn't blown away by the lyrical depth, but can let it slide on the songs I enjoyed. He gave this an EP rating. The songs he really liked, he really liked, and the the rest was very skippable. And he, he said that he liked the album enough to explore their 2000 album MP3, but found it mostly forgettable. So lots of good info there from Darren. He, he wasn't able to join us, so he sent us notes. And uh, he also gave us a, a fact, a fun fact about this record. The album cover was actually supposed to be a Butthole Surfers cover. And for some reason, they didn't end up using the artwork. And Capital like held on to the rights of the album cover, and then presented it to Marcy Playground as if, you know, they just had this album cover, and they were like, "Hey, do you want to use it?" And they were like, "Sure." And then when they used it, Paul Leary from the Butthole Surface was like, "Hey, that was supposed to be our album cover," and I guess they ended up talking it out, and we're and we're you know, Paul Leary said he was a fan of the band, so he said, "Yeah, it's all cool," but there was a bit of bit of throwdown between the butthole surfers and marcy playground over this album cover for for a minute or two that's a bizarre story like i i would have never thought that something like that could even happen or i guess i could see a label doing it just because they probably paid for it and didn't want to lose it but 
I feel like that happened the... a few times in the '90s, though, where albums came out and bands were like, "Hey, that was supposed to be our album cover." Like, I think a Fountains of the first Fountains of Wayne album is like an album cover that was supposed to be on a different album or was used in a different way somewhere else. I guess I'm more surprised that the band was willing to accept an album cover design for another band. <laughs> well, I don't think they were told. Oh. I think that was the deal. Is that if, okay. they, if they had been told it was for another band, they wouldn't have used it, but they were never told. They were just told like, hey, we have this piece of artwork. Do you want to use it for your album cover? Gotcha. Oh, that's slimy. It is a bit slimy, but it is the record business. So yep. there you go. Uh, let's talk about some of our Patreon feedback from our listeners or from our patrons, I should say, which you can go to patreon.com forward slash dig me out to become a patron for just a buck a month. Uh, Matthew Barnes said this album is goddamn amazing earmuffs kids as the entire, as is their entire catalog. It's a shame they didn't get the recognition they deserved beyond sex and candy. Um, all the lights went out. Wave Motion Gun, Rebels Sodville, all amazing tracks. Um, Tara McCook said, I bought this, bought the first Micey Playground record at BMG for like $4.99 and Sex and, after Sex and Candy came out. There were two or three songs I liked, but the rest was ridiculous. But since it was only $4.99, no harm, no foul. I thought they had potential, but they were lightweights from a songwriting perspective. Now I wish I've kept listening because this record keeps everything great about their sound and steps up the songwriting chops immensely. Even the one place where they get silly, Secret Squirrel, is not excessive. I wonder how their career would have been different if this had been their first record. Interesting. And then Steven said, totally wrote this band off when Sex and Candy was in the limelight. I hated that song then. (laughs) That seems to be a universal. Like, if you've heard that song, you might hate it. There's a good chance. Like, it's not like, eh, I got sick of that song. It's like, no, I hate that song. Anyway, however, in the last year, I actually gave the album a fair shake and was quite surprised how much I enjoyed it. I even went to see the band this past summer and they were great. My first listen to Shapeshifter did not yield the instant connection I was hoping for, whereas one pass through MP3 did. So a split with Darren on MP3. I'll give it a few more spins though. Either way, this should be a good conversation. Steven, we can't guarantee that, but we'll do our best. So Jay. Yeah. Why you, you sound accusatory. <laughs> you were just quiet. Usually I can hear you breathing. Okay. <laughs> uh, tell me one thing that you liked about Shapeshifter by Marcy Playground. I like when the band gets acoustic. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's some good mix of like Americana, folky kind of sounds, and then mm-hmm. obviously alternative. But I hear like Not a Surf some from time to time um, as well. Yeah. So it's a... I think they're able to do the quiet acoustic alternative sound, but still keep it edgy enough that, you know, it's, it's, it's rock and roll. Um, so on the material that they tread that water, I, I like quite a bit. Uh, the other thing I'll, I'll say is the, the album sounds great. Um, um, regardless of the quiet material or even some of the, the louder riff oriented stuff. Um, I, I like the production a lot. Um, I think the vocals as well are produced really well. And, and another thing I'll say, um, that, that works well for me is when the vocal is really up front and carrying the song, I think the band works a lot better as well. So mm-hmm. as opposed to some material where there'll be a guitar riff, uh, that's driving the, the, the tune and the vocals behind it. I think it works 
a lot better when they let the vocal uh, be the centerpiece, be up front. And I like the way that the vocals are produced. They're they're pretty wet. There's a lot of reverb on them. They do some harmonies and some doubling. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also they also um, have some contrast where they'll, you know, for a verse, it'll just be simpler, um, and then they'll build on top of it to kind of pull you in. So. Overall, I think the production is good, and I think they do some some interesting things when they go in the more quiet. I guess I'll just summarize it that way: the quieter uh, sound of the band. Lucy came to the timberline, climbed up on Rainier, looked out over Washington. Swore she could see the apple tree. She said, ooh, oh, I never want to leave, ooh, this place, ooh, yes, I always want to be. Yeah, I want to piggyback on what you said about the production. I think one of the things I really enjoyed and was kind of surprised by was for an album that is pretty, you know, uh, it's not super adventurous in terms of musicality. The guitar tones are really interesting from a an alternative rock standpoint. You know, some of the songs don't necessarily work for me, like Love Bug, for example. Um, I feel like the it's just kind of a lazy... Uh, vocal and i don't i don't really love it but the guitar tone like whatever effect he's using it's like some sort of an octave or i don't know what that is on it but it's a really weird effect but i really like the the tone of the guitar and the riff that he's playing on it um i just wish there was a better vocal on top of it but i but i like that like lurching dirge that's going on in that song it's pretty cool riff There's a couple of spots, like all the lights went out, um, which I think is definitely one of the best songs on the record. Like the guitar tone on that is like perfect. Like it finds the middle ground of like it's crunchy, but it's not too brittle and it's it's just got enough meat. So it doesn't sound like metalish, but it's just there's a lot of really like kind of beefy, neat, you know, distorted tones on this record. Secret Squirrel, even though it's a goofy song and it actually like when i learned that thing about the butthole surfers i was like this could have been a butthole surfer song right 
Yeah. Especially with that like breakdown that's in that song with the with the the guy and the voice. I don't know if that's John Wozniak doing that or or not, but that again has like really cool guitar tones in it. And just overall the the record sounds really good. Um and the acoustic stuff, the the you know, acoustic guitars can sound really like thin uh recorded sometimes and they do a really good job of recording it. So, they definitely got it all right in the studio with with the sounds of everything. So that's definitely the thing that stood out for me. Um, there was a couple of things I liked. I, I actually leaned more towards the up-tempo stuff. The, not that I disliked the acoustic stuff, but that was just the things that the up-tempo stuff, the, the melodies stuck with me. I think It's Saturday is a really good single. It's catchy. It's got a good chorus. I mean, it's not up there. It's not as memorable as Sex and Candy. Um, that's a pretty kitschy kind of novelty song in terms of uh what we've talked about in terms of having a hit in the sort of mid to late 90s with those sorts of songs there's a couple of tunes like bye bye and wave motion gun is another one that i feel like they have they have good choruses and yeah. um you know that's that's a credit to john wozniak too i mean he's got a vocal to pull it off and i agree with you on his like the doubling and stuff really helps bring all that together yeah. So what do you consider up-tempo on this record? What well, you have highlighted? Other than um, It's Saturday, what other t- tunes did you have flagged? Well, in a song like Bye Bye, it's not until, like, it kind of starts out a little bit, like, I don't know if you call it halftime. Yeah. And then when it, once it gets in the chorus, it, like, opens up and it becomes, like, up-tempo or mid-tempo, I guess. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, that's, that's what I meant. I think I, I mean, flagged a lot of the songs that were... Um, I guess mid tempo, but more acoustic y. They're also deceptive. Like the production is so good that they're able to, at times, you know, song, parts of the songs will get thick, but it's not because they're using a bunch of distortion or something. Like they're, right. they're laying things. So songs, they kind of get rocking or feel like they've got a lot of momentum. But um, when you break them down, it's just really good production and songwriting, you, not just, you know, dynamics. Now, that said, they still do some of the quiet, loud, you know, generic 90s stuff um, in some of the tunes. So I, I guess as we get into stuff that didn't work, there is – it's inconsistent, I guess. Yeah. Between half the record is pretty inventive, original territory, I think. And then the other half is really just – I think it was, it was Darren's uh, comment that it's paint by numbers, you know – at their worst, they just sound like generic '90s all band, you know. Mm-hmm. Some of the, where they do, you know, uh, these kind of boring alternating riffs, you know, two chords back and forth, or you know, the straight up quiet, loud dynamic, you know, clicking in the fuzz pedal, and then going clean, and then, you know, they can sound. I felt like there was a period in the late '90s where you started to hear some bands, or at least some hit songs, where they sounded like the unplugged versions of like big bands so sometimes they sound like the unplugged version of nirvana like the then the um nirvana unplugged record um mm-hmm. some stuff on here there are moments where you're like oh wow that sounds a lot like kurt cobain um or the way that that record sounds so oh yeah like on all the lights went out when that kicks in yeah he sounds a lot like cobain yeah. well today 
I think Never is a track. Track 10 sounds a lot like Nirvana Unplugged. Um, I mean, he can get to that. There, there, there are some moments where he can really get to the vocal that sounds almost identical to Cobain. So I, I don't love that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I don't love when the band gets a little goofy, like Secret Squirrel. Like Musically, musically it's okay, but um it just goes into this weird place in the bridge and i don't know it, it's just too goofy lyrically um pigeon farm i i, I don't like it all or right, it's sunday mail maybe is my least favorite where it's gets a little funky sounding and a really repetitive riff it just sounds like high school band practice like does not sound like a sophisticated uh you know band at all right so yeah, when this band is um not good, they're sometimes really not good. Yeah. Yeah, I concur with you. Sunday Mail is is just it sounds lazy. And it sounds like you know, I'm sure a band by 99 knew where they stood in terms of you know, maybe they were contractually obligated to put out the second record or, or I don't know what kind of push they were actually going to get for the record label. But I would imagine like there has to be a part of you that's like, we're just going to do what we want. Like we know that we're, you know, the radio stations are not going to play us. You know, we got lucky with, with sex and candy and it's impossible to follow that up. So we're just going to write, you know, we'll write a couple of singles. It's Saturday and bye bye. But just like do some goofy, explore the weird shit that we want to explore with Secret Squirrel and Love Bug and Pigeon Farm. I mean, these are just weird songs, <laughs> but alongside some pretty like generic stuff. So I, I, I'd be curious to know like what the origins of this record was like, you know, in terms of songwriting were these old songs that they had because it did it was mentioned that you know he had had a a bedroom project long before and i wonder if these are some of the songs that were used yeah some of this sounds like like very early songwriting yeah that's why i said like high school band kind of stuff you know i mean it's presented well it's played as well as you can play it but at the heart of it you, you know you it it's not very sophisticated um, where some stuff on here is, you know, right. Um, I think that's what throws me so much is, um, just the contrast sometimes and the quality of the songwriting and the ideas, um, can be dramatic ends of the spectrum. Well, and especially because after that opening track of it's Saturday, then you go to America, which is this yeah. like very, uh, small acoustic, you know, there's like a little bit of drum there, and it's a totally different feel than I was expecting. I was like, oh, this is like an Americana like right. folk song. Like, I was not yep. expecting this for out of this band at, at track two. So, like, I wonder where this record's gonna go. And then, I mean, you get a 
you know that and then bye bye and then all the lights went out those are those were three strong tracks but then it just it starts to move back and forth like you know secret squirrel is just a goo like i said it's a goofy like butthole surfers type song just fly, I come sailing in like it's sunny skies, I know I'll always win. So I see came, see great squirrels, a shame you will have to die. I like Wave Motion Gun. It's it's a solid song. It's not one of the best. It's not one of the worst, but it's got some good melody there. And then you got like the I don't know what you call it. I guess the the swing, the six eight swing of yeah. Rebel Sodville, which uh, I like that quite a bit. I'm a sucker for six eight though. Yeah, I just feel like when you get into six eight, everything sounds like a pirate chanty. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it works with the, uh, I guess I liked it cause it works with some of the folkier Americana sounding stuff on the record. Yeah. Like I, I, I would dig an EP that's just that stuff, you know? Cause I think they do it, uh, with a, just a unique, uh, just enough of a spin where, you know, it's unique. It, it, it doesn't sound like other bands that are in that genre and they can get a little fuzzy, which is cool too. You know, they're kind of taking a different space vocally. He's not doing like any kind of twang. So even though the songs might be folky, they're not um, over the top. So I think that's why I like when they get in that space. It just sounds more original to me. And the stuff that, you know, you said that's weird. It's weird lyrically. It, musically, it's it's not weird enough. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I wish... If you're going to be that strange with your lyrics, like give me something musically that, that goes with it, not just a generic alt, alt rock song. Well, I thought that the, the music was a little weird for Secret Squirrel in that it like it was almost metal. <laughs> like and I was like, uh, I was not expecting this. Someone gotcha. broke out their Sabbath record. And yeah, but then it like. Uh, you know, it reminded me of like again the butthole surface comparison. They have that one song. Is it like where did you sleep last night or something like that? Where it's like it sounds like a Sabbath song, which is it's like totally. You know which one I'm talking about? I'm trying to blank on the actual title of the song. I mean, Love Bugs got a riff like that too. I think that song works better musically for me though. The, yeah, um, it's interesting how they compose the riffs and it's a it's not as repetitive. No, that's a tricky riff. Yeah, what he's playing there—that's it's not in like a four, a regular like four-four structure that the rest of the song is played in. Like it, the if he's singing and playing that guitar part, that's pretty impressive because the guitar is definitely like counter to what the vocal's doing. Mm-hmm. It's hard to pull off because the guitar is not—it's not a riff that repeats like on like the the one in the three or the or the uh, you know in a four and a bar of four or whatever. It's, it's like a weird, uh, sick cycle cycle of notes that's going on. That mm-hmm. takes like, it takes like four measures just to get through. Whereas usually what's like, you know, with a lot of these songs, it's just like, you know, four chords repeated over and over again, or two chords repeated. Yep. So this album came out in 99. 
It's Saturday was the single. I Like I said, I might have heard it. I don't know. It sounded somewhat familiar. He does some yodeling in that song. Yodeling. Yeah. There's a couple times where he he lets the uh, the yodels go. Yeah. I noticed that. Sometimes that's used as the hook, which is interesting. I mean. Uh, they have a, like a propensity to be gimmicky. Like, and that's to me what I think of their, the hit. That just always seems like a. I don't know, like a one-off song that is is a little bit goofy. And that's what this band is kind of like. Yeah, there's definitely a, like, I guess I thought of Sex and Candy as just sort of being sort of subversive. I didn't think of it as being goofy. So I guess I'm a little shocked at the goofiness, but maybe I should have, I don't know. Well, those things go hand in hand sometimes. True. So are we, are we, Content to say that maybe this album didn't do so well because it's just not good all the way through. There's not a lot to get. I mean, there's not really a strong. No, there's not a single on here to me that I could hear uh, on the radio in 1999. I I think there's some good material. Uh, Maybe some of it actually holds up better. um, and believe more appropriate now than it was in 99. But uh, there's certainly no, there's no sex and candy on this record. That's for sure. No sex and candy on this record. Which again, um, I think that's another one of those songs in the nineties that was as a hit as as much for the the novelty of the lyrics as it was musically. Right. Worthy album, better EP, decent single. EP, I like America, bye bye, all the lights went out, wave motion gun, and rebel sodville. That's my EP. All right. Five songs. I think I think I could probably I wonder if I could do like a a double three song EP. <laughs> like I would do It's Saturday, Bye Bye, All the Lights Went Out on like on a, we'll do a 10-inch single here. Three songs on each side. Those three on the first side and on the second side I would do America, Wave Motion Gun and Our Generation with the bonus track of Nonsense cut off so it's shorter. So I could do six songs. Yeah, I liked Our Generation too. That 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 got a little bit into the '60s psychedelic pop kind of sound, yeah. which also exposed to me that that's probably an influence on this band. Yeah, which I could have used more of. So EP from both of us. That's uh, based on the comments. I'm not surprised. Yeah, they 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 tr- they touch on like power pop sounds from time to time, and I was really wanting them to double down on those areas. You know, just really go for it, which they seem resistant to. There seems to be like this pullback to want to stay in the alt rock kind of space yeah. and not fully go and commit to the pop sound. But that was a, I was getting a sense of that tension on the record. And um, it's definitely clear that John Wozniak has the right vocal and a songwriting ability. So it's just a matter of, I guess, wanting to push it in that direction or not. I also was thinking that it would have been cool in the 90s if John Wozniak of this band and Johnny Resnick of the Goo Goo Dolls had formed a band called the Johnny Z's and uh, could have done some sort of like, you know, synth combo called Johnny or Johnny Z and the Boys. How about Johnny Resrack? There you go. <laughs> Resurrec. Are there anybody else who has a Z in their last name that was in a band in the 90s that we could have stuck in this band? 
Was uh, it Resniak? Resniak. Well, Trent Reznor. I don't think he would fit in with and, and Jason Ziak. Well, yeah, you could have played drums. <laughs> People just have a mess of Z's and K's all over their names. It's just a lot of <laughs> angry consonants buttoned up against each other. Yeah. The angry consonants. Yeah, th- there you go. That's my new band name, the Angry Consonants. Their first album's called Button Up Against Each Other. <laughs> uh, okay, folks, we hope that you liked this episode. We enjoyed talking about this band because was one of our patrons who picked it. We need to thank Darren Svedson for picking this record. Interesting record. Glad we got a chance to check it out. Also, uh, I noted that uh, by my house, there's a place called Marcy's Clayground where there's you can make uh, clay sculptures. So just want to throw that out there. If you're in the Columbus area and you want to tie your 90s yeah, music listening. That's an interesting uh, choice for a business name that only, I mean, how many people get that? I did. Yeah. That was enough. Uh-huh. Enough for me. If you like what you heard, leave us some positive feedback over at iTunes. And of course, you can join us at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dig me out so for jay i'm tim we're done we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out thanks for listening to support the podcast visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our facebook twitter and instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com. 